Welcome to Breakthrough Barriers with Damali. I'm your host, Damali Peterman. On this podcast, we introduce our new season's theme, Resilience, and I, along with the guest co-host, will share how we remain resilient amidst the COVID-19 pandemic. We want to inspire our listeners to continue to break through. Welcome to the show. On today's episode, I have Suzanne Boothby, book author and writer. Suzanne, welcome to the show. Hi, Damali. Thanks for having me. Oh, I'm so happy that you could be here today. Suzanne started her career as a fact checker for the award-winning investigative magazine, Mother Jones, and has gone on to cover everything from foraging green juice ingredients to the hidden costs of conventional agriculture. Currently, she works as the executive editor of the Brockovich Report, a newsletter from Aaron Brockovich talking about the national water crisis, toxic chemicals, and other problems in your backyard. She's also a freelance writer and offers editing and creative direction to aspiring and longtime book writers. Wow. Wow, 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 Suzanne. I I feel like we're getting everything into one amazing package. Um, And what a fun person to work with. I mean, you've covered everything. I mean, from working uh, with Mother Jones to working with Erin Brockovich and also helping writers and others who need help you know, sort of finding their creative direction. So I really am looking forward to our conversation. We're going to focus on the theme of resilience as it relates to conflict and how you or your company or your industry navigated the last 20 months. The goal is to inspire and encourage our listeners to continue to break through. So I like to tell people how I know our guests. And I was really fortunate to be connected and introduced rather to Suzanne by a mutual friend who welcomed me to the Hudson Valley. Uh, And fortunately, she and Suzanne, as Suzanne mentioned it, has been friends since they were babies uh, back from journalism school. Uh, And I just I'm just elated to have you here today, Suzanne. Thank you. Yeah, Megan is such a wonderful person. And I'm so grateful that she connected us. Oh, likewise. So, so Suzanne, what do you want people to know about you? Describe yourself in six words. Okay. Writer, creative, seeker, freelancer. I'm Suzanne. Yeah, that's me. I love it. I have to say, Suzanne, I ask this question a lot and I love to have a writer on, on the show because you really nailed it and, you know, really understood the assignment, right? <laughs> so writer, creator, freelancer, um, you, you are Suzanne. So tell us more. Uh, why are you in this field? How did you get here? Oh gosh. Well, it's a long story that I'll try to condense as much as I can for everyone. But I wrote my first book when I was nine years old through a library program. And it was about my cat and his adventures around the world. <laughs> and um, I was so lucky our, our little library program, you know, put our books off to a publisher and we got our books back. And so that was kind of my first foray at such a young age. Um, and, you know, in high school, worked for the school paper, went on to journalism school. And so it was sort of this thing from a very young age, like I just sort of came out with a lot of thoughts and a lot of ideas and had an ability to write them down. And, and people seemed to think that I communicated well. So I sort of continued on that path. And, um, 
you know, it's interesting when I first went to journalism school, I was really sort of hoping to be, you know, uh, on TV doing like an MTV VJ kind of gig. And when I got exposed to sort of the world of investigative journalism, politics, environmental issues, I thought, well, I think that's where I really want to go. And so I sort of weaved my way through the industry, working at different magazines in different publications, working on newsletters, like kind of wherever people would take me. But one thing that was so interesting is in, you know, particularly the magazine world, which is sort of where I landed, as you get more and more uh, accomplished, you become less and less of a writer and you're sort of editing other people. You're doing all the other kind of busy administrative work that, that takes place at a magazine. And so I ended up having to kind of leave that world um, and start fresh as a, as a freelance writer, which there is no handbook to <laughs> teach you how to do it. You have to really kind of hustle and you meet people and you kind of make connections and show people how, how you can write. And, um, you know, all of that led me in 2016 to a chance meeting with an agent who connected me with Aaron Brockovich and just wrote a book with her, which was a very uh, intense and, and exciting um, project. And so, you know, and there's been many sort of books and articles in between all that time. But um, yeah, the, the sort of main themes are kind of like how to be a writer, how to <laughs> kind of get my words out there and how to, you know, really bring awareness to issues that are sometimes hard and complex for people to understand. And I sort of have this way of breaking them down, making them more digestible. I love talking with people um, and hearing their stories and, and interviewing them. So it's it's been a kind of wonderful ride and journey and I feel very uh, grateful for it. It really sounds like a great journey and ride. And I am so impressed that you wrote your first book at age nine. I have a nine-year-old and I'm going to talk to him when he gets home today <laughs> because I need him to start publishing books. But what's, but what's exceptional is that you mentioned having this program at your local library and that they helped you all to get published. And then you sort of continued with this passion of writing and, and investigating and being, it's, to me, it sounds like just being very curious. Um, and then letting that lead you to journalism school, um, you know, focusing on writing, but then sort of getting pulled into other aspects of the industry from fact checking to editing. And so I love that you recognize that, that you were kind of getting away from where you started, right? You started off as a writer and that you had a chance to get back into that, especially around 2016 when you signed with your agent and you were introduced to the one and only Aaron Brockovich, who I think many, hopefully many of our listeners know from the movie uh, where I believe it was Julia Roberts who played Aaron Brockovich and where it was so many wonderful lessons from the movie to be learned about environmentalism and about, about water, et cetera. And I love that you have an opportunity to uh, I like how you put it to find interesting ways to break down complex, you know, data. I mean, thinking about like toxicity of water and things of that nature and, and translating it in a way that it's not only digestible, but interesting to your listeners, to your readers, et cetera. And so that to me sounds fascinating. And it sounds like something that for anyone who's thinking about going into writing to just kind of think about different ways that they can sort of follow their passion and where that road might lead them. Because I'm sure if, you know, we ask, you know, nine-year-old you, if you thought you'd be working with, you know, someone like Aaron Brockovich, or you probably would say, what? Who? You know? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And yeah. so, I mean, a lot has transpired um, 
over the last 20 months. And I'm, I'm interested to hear what your single biggest challenge was and sort of, you know, your industry throughout the pandemic. Yeah. I mean, there's so many things, but I think, you know, Aaron and I, our book was released in August, 2020, um, which was like smack dab in the pandemic and, um, or actually, you know, a little bit before, but just, um, it really impacted the pandemic has impacted the publishing industry tremendously. A lot of books were put on hold or, you know, sort of put off indefinitely. Luckily our book did come out, but, you know, book tours are supposed to be in person. And of course <laughs> that was not happening. Um, what was interesting is because I'm a co-writer, you know, I wasn't really expecting to go on book tour. And in fact, because of the pandemic ended up on all these Zoom calls at the Texas, Texas Book Festival, you know, different bookstores throughout the country. Erin um, was so generous and had me with her through all of that. And so, you know, I don't know that I would have the publisher certainly wouldn't have shelled out that money for me to be there. And so it was great that on Zoom, I was sort of able to join in. The other piece that was so interesting in my work with Erin is that, you know, we work with communities. She gets thousands of letters every month from different communities that are dealing with all kinds of different toxic issues and, you know, wasn't able to go in person. And so um, in January of this year, we launched this newsletter to kind of create a community space to try to find a place online uh, where we could talk about these stories that, you know, sometimes end up in their local paper, sometimes not, but a lot of them are not making sort of national headlines. And it's a place to kind of call out the bad players. Um, we had Solution September where we interviewed a lot of folks who are working on solutions, which was really inspiring. And so we really just try as best we can to uh, stay connected in such a time where, um, you know, we're all sort of being asked to stay home and, and not be as connected. You know, I think it's so important sort of thinking about different ways to remain connected and to reconnect, especially during a time when people were actually staying at home, uh, quarantining, and travel was halted, among other things. And I love that you mentioned that your book was published in August 2020 in the midst of the pandemic and the midst of significant changes to the publishing industry. And I would like to hear a little bit more about your book. Tell us the name of your book. Um, Tell us a little (laughs) bit more about it. Well, the book is called Superman's Not Coming, and it's really about what Aaron has been doing for the last 20 years since the movie came out. So the movie was based on one town, Hinkley, California, that had this toxic um, groundwater contamination from PG&E. And it turns out that that one chemical is actually all over the country in all kinds of different towns that are not, and it's not regulated Um, And we looked at a bunch of other chemicals that are similar that are also potentially in groundwater and really just looked at the different communities fighting. We talk about the Flint crisis um, and not just looking at the water issues, but really the local politics that played a part into getting Flint to where it was, um, which I think is so important. And, you know, at the end of the day, there's also a real call to get involved and get curious about where your water comes from. Who are the businesses in your community? Are they polluting? You know, we have this sort of sense that someone's taking care of things, the EPA, the government, that businesses operate (laughs) on the up and up. And the truth is, you know, this is, it's where the book comes from. Superman's not coming. There is not necessarily the best intentions always at play when it comes to these environmental disasters. And so it's really up to us as citizens to get involved, get to know our neighbors, get to get to a city council meeting and, and be interested and concerned um, and help those that are suffering, that are needing help in different communities. 
I think that's extraordinary because a lot of it is about access to information, about education, and also just a reality check that, I, and that's why I left the title and wanted you to share it, um, that Superman isn't coming. And so that means that in a sense, everyone has to sort of be their own Superman. Um, and so I, I think that's ex extraordinary because also, uh, even from you know what I understand about Aaron Brockovich and what I've learned about you, it's just this this desire to promote community engagement, this sort of activism for environmentalism that I think is as everything is going on, there's certain things that won't change, and there's always going to be the need to understand your environment, to protect your environment, and it's essentially up to us. Like you know, while we're here, when I oftentimes thinking about you know what's happening with climate change. When the Flint issue occurred, I think I actually said aloud, where's Erin Brockovich? Like, I've been thinking, like, we need her. <laughs> like, how does this happen? How do we get here? Um, and I said that kind of like in my mind because I was so floored when I started reading the news reports about what was happening there. And so knowing that your book was released during the pandemic, um, in the midst of chaos, there was kind of like this light to try to, to, to essentially show people a path um, for understanding um, how to educate yourselves and how to take ownership in the sense of the path of protecting yourself from certain uh, environmental issues. I think it's just excellent. And I know this isn't your only project. I know you probably have a lot of things going on and you're still standing, kind of like that Elton John song. So I would love to know, Suzanne, where does your resilience come from and how do you tap into it? Mm, thank you. Such a great question. I, you know, I think writers, it's sort of baked into our uh, job description to be resilient folks where, you know, there is not this um, easy, beautiful path to becoming published and um, doors don't open so easily. And so I think, you know, sort of forging that career has um, certainly given me a lot of tools to sort of stay resilient, stay the course, um, you know, take a no with a smile and keep going. I also think, you know, being a woman, I just have to say, um, you know, we talked about my friend Megan and I in journalism school. Our class was the first class that had more women than men in it in the journalism school. And wow. I found that to be really strange in the year 2000, that that was the first time there was slightly more women than men. And, um, you know, a lot of our professors were still men and, and they were great teachers, but they're you know, journalism for a long time was an old boys club. And just to break into that world as a woman, to be a professional, to deal with all of these issues, to write about things that are important to women. Um, you know, now we sort of take those things for granted, but, you know, I sort of watched some of those issues come up and, and, and be more able to talk about it. And so I think, you know, some of that resilience, just being a woman and, and sort of standing in that confidence and saying, yeah, my words matter as much as, you know, the next person. Um, that is, I think it does give you something, you know, I've also <laughs> have to say, I worked from home for the last 10 years. And so when this started and everybody started working from home, I was really kind of giving out advice to a lot of people of like, here's how to get a lunch together when it feels like there's nothing in the fridge. <laughs> like, <laughs> here's how to like, you know, make a Zoom call, make a date with a friend so that you're having people to interact with because it is a special kind of job to be a freelance writer working from home. And it's, um, you know, my husband can attest that some days he comes home and I'm like, I need to talk to someone. <laughs> it's been all day. <laughs> 
And so I think there's just a certain resilience in, in sort of forging that path. that's kind of different than other folks that, you know, I haven't been in an office environment in such a long time and um, I have to kind of create my own deadlines and have to create my own sort of career of where I want to go next. You know, but it, it sounds like you're the perfect person to do it. I mean, just thinking about your resilience, one coming from the fact that you said you've had some no's and learning how to take a no with a smile. And I think that's really important for our listeners to hear because oftentimes we hear about the successes, right? We hear about the yeses, you know, great opportunity to work with Aaron Brockovich for a writer. I mean, that's huge. You know, that is a huge opportunity. But I love you also sharing, you know, kind of the realities that before that major yes, there were some no's. You took it with a smile and you continue to re remain resilient. And also recognizing that even in your industry, which I think parallels a lot of industries, and then even it's as, as recent as 2000 and early 2000s, you know, there still was an imbalance in the representation of women and that your class was that class that kind of sent the balance in the other direction, um, essentially showing having more women graduates in that program. And I think that you're absolutely right. There is a certain amount of resilience that come from being a woman, showing up every day as a woman and having to recognize that there's some things that you can't change and there's some things you can change. And hopefully, you know, each day you're making not only new strides for yourself, but also people that are coming behind you, right? Because now they're seeing someone like you who've accomplished so much um, and continue to be here and to be resilient. And I also like sort of thinking about it's just imagining you giving very practical advice during the pandemic, because unlike a lot of people who may have had to shift to remote work, you were an expert at remote work. You're an expert at deadlines. Um, and I do understand and recognize sort of that feeling when you haven't talked to another human in person, just like, hi, human, <laughs> so great to see you. Um, but I do think that that was awesome. I mean, in addition to you helping writers in general, I mean, just giving that practical, like real life, you know, your three-dimensional advice, I think just says a lot about your personality. It says a lot about, you know, because I think sometimes people fail to take a deeper dive into the person that they're talking to and they don't always see like the, the three-dimensional aspect of a person. And I think it's just says a lot about you that you're a caring, giving person um, to even take the time to help someone navigate just the ins and outs of remote working and setting deadlines. And so I am just so impressed with you. Um, and, you know, you mentioned some no's. I'm just curious to know throughout your very successful, impressive career, were there any mistakes that you made that you want to prevent others from making? Hmm. It's so interesting. Of course, we all make mistakes all the time to find just one or, you know, just one. No, I think one thing just to, to talk about that resilience piece again, too, was just, you know, no's are part of the industry and it's part of being a writer is that there's going to be editors who don't like your work or who have a lot of feedback that you don't agree with. And that's okay. That's part of the, the work and, you know, just continuing on your career as best you can and just trying to find a door that is open, I think is so important. In terms of mistakes, I mean, I think, you know, when I was younger, I think I always tried to have a certain professionalism. And of course, when you're younger, you don't always respect authority in the same ways that you do <laughs> as you're older. I'm now looking at sort of younger folks and I'm like, wow, like I am an authority. You should be emailing me back in a timely manner or 
whatever it is. And so, you know, I think like there are certain values um, in any industry that, you know, make sure so much of getting, getting your foot in the door is being someone who can respond to emails on time, to be polite with people, to be curious about people. You know, I've had editors who have really, um, you know, seems like they're having a bad day, you know, sort of yelling at me. And what I realized, one of the best things you can do is say, Hey, are you okay? Like, I'm not, I'm not sure if <laughs> this is about me or about you. And, you know, just relating to people as other people and not as sort of these, you know, authority figure. I think that's something that I sort of had to learn as I went along that I sometimes felt like these editors were, you know, these sort of untouchable people. And the truth is we're all people that brush our teeth and eat breakfast and take care of our kids <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. Um, and so finding that kind of human connection has really been helpful, I think, throughout my career and, and sort of not judging others or judging myself, you know, on those bad days that we all have. I'm so happy you said that because I think it's very easy to one, to your point about um, getting the no and then moving forward to kind of get stuck, right? And to say, why are people saying no? Or what is it that they don't like about me? Or maybe you really want an opportunity that you didn't get, but you continue to move forward. So you kind of take the lessons that you learned and continue to move forward and forge your path. I also think it's super important to recognize that people are human. And you said something that really resonated with me as a conflict resolver and mediator, you know, to kind of find that human connection and to recognize that one, people don't always say what they mean. Two, they don't always mean what they say. And sometimes it's not about you. And I love that you could lean into that discomfort a little bit and say, hey, is everything okay? Because, you know, you have the awareness that you haven't done anything. And so it can't be about you. And I've seen so many breakdowns in communication from people who don't, you know, they're like, well, what did I do? Maybe I, I should have done this or done that. Um, and they just start, sort of take it inward and try to figure out what it is instead of asking that open-ended question to get the information from the person on the other side. So that is amazing advice. I also like hearing you talk about just the responsiveness and the importance of being a good communicator. Um, I do, I know exactly how you, how you feel when you're talking about like, you know, so sort of being the person who with authority in a sense, and then the other person, and you're waiting for some so, so communication, there's a lapse in response time. I see that happen on a regular basis. And one of the things that I've been doing, um, and, I, and, I, and I, I oftentimes, you know, introspectively say, did I do that? Was I like that? You know, when, when I was that age. Um, but one of the things that I've been learning to do and to help my teams to recognize is, okay, if you, how can we help that person get to the expected level of communication? And so today, I, for example, I sent a message saying to someone on my team, just saying, I really would love to get this information by this time because I have X. And the re response was immediate, sure. And then I got the information that I needed. And so I was like, hmm, I wonder if all this time I could have just said, you know, like do this at this time. And so the, the, the point is, I, I, I love that, that there are some practical tips, again, that people can walk away with to, to learn from some of the things that we've experienced. And in the spirit of learning, I always like to ask this question. Um, and because you're a writer and an author, among other things, I think this is a perfect question for you, Suzanne. Um, my mom used to say, each one teach one. And I don't think that's original to her, but she used to say that to my siblings and I all the time. And so I would love for you to suggest a book, a song, a chord, or program for our listeners? Mm. 
Well, I'm a writer, so and an avid reader, so I feel like I have so many things that I'd love to recommend. But if I can, you know, two huge influences on me. One is um, Julia Cameron, who I studied with in New York City. She wrote a book called The Artist Way, and it's all about sort of recovering your creative self. And I took a class with her. Um, you know, it was one of those sort of six-week, one-hour-a-week kind of classes. Um, around the artist way, this topic. And I wrote my first book several years later, um, you know, that became published. And so she was just a huge mentor um, and, and wonderful spirit. She's really, if you ever get the chance, she's still alive. She's one of those living legends. If you can ever take a class with her, I highly recommend it. The other book quickly that I love um, is a book from Cal Newport and it's called so good they can't ignore you. And the quote, um, it's from a quote from Steve Martin, who is a comedian, an SNL comedian that many of us know. And he was once asked, you know, how did you like forge this career? You're, you know, he was kind of a different comedian at that time. And he said, well, be so good that they can't ignore you. And um, that whole book is really about figuring out how to, how to be in your craft, how to build skills, how to build relationships with others. Um, and I think that's such an important skill, particularly in the creative arts, you know, whether you're a writer or a dancer or a visual artist that, you know, keep going, keep honing in on your craft and, and learn as much as you can and put out the best work that you can. And that really will help you in your career. That's excellent. So the artist's way and this book called be so good, so good they you can ignore you, right? Yes. Okay, well, Suzanne, you've been so good that no one can ignore this podcast. <laughs> Let me just say that. So thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. It was wonderful. Yeah. Oh, you're spectacular. And thank you so much to our audience for tuning in. I'm your host, Damali Peterman, and this is Breakthrough Barriers with Damali. Continue to break through and have a wonderful day. Please follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn at Breakthrough ADR. That's the at sign, B-R-E-A-K-T-H-R-O-U-G-H, capital A, capital D, capital R. I'm your host, Damali Peterman, and this is Breakthrough Barriers with Damali. Although I am a lawyer, mediator, and an educator, and many of my co-hosts will represent various professions, we want to be clear that we are not providing legal advice, counseling, or suggestions. Our goal is to provide a roadmap for conflict resolution to generate future conflict resolvers. Continue to break through and have a wonderful day.